2019 Ring Magazine Awards. Yep, but this is the annual show where we compare our awards to their awards. And um, first, we're going to show, start with the event of the year. Our event of the year was the November 2019 World Boxing Super Series uh, Bantamweight Championship Final between Noito Donaire and Nioa Inoue. Ring Magazine, and you know what? I can't argue with this choice, and I had forgotten about this choice because, like Ring Magazine, our, our award show was basically built around two events, the first Joshua Ruiz fight and the Donaire uh, uh, Inoue fight. Well, their choice was, without a doubt, I got to give it to them, the June 1st, 2019 incredible upset because it was Anthony Joshua's debut in Madison Square Garden, a sold-out Madison Square Garden, was there to see what they thought was the crowning of a new era in heavyweight history for Joshua. Instead, they saw one of the greatest upsets in, in heavyweight history when Andrew Reeves knocked out Joshua in the seventh round. Yeah, it turned out to be probably the most entertaining fight since Joshua Klitschko. Yeah. Uh, you make a good point as far as heavyweight fights go. Yes, without a doubt. Where did they situate our pick? Just That was their number two choice. I mean, their awards are just like our awards. It's centered basically around two fights for the entire year because this segues into both our pick for upset of the year and their pick for upset of the year, the, the, the seventh round knockout of Anthony Joshua by Andy Ruiz in their first fight. I mean, that was the shocker of all shockers. There couldn't be a bigger upset in the heavyweight division since Lennox Lewis, since he got knocked since, out. Since he got knocked out by Hasim Rockman. Yeah, I right. agree. That was the biggest upset in heavyweight title history since that, that, that loss. And, of course, you had the Mike Tyson. Well, you had two shocking Mike Tyson losses. People always talk about the Buster Douglas loss, but he was also a huge favorite over Xander Holyfield the first time they fought. And Holyfield batted him for pillar to post before the referee stopped the fight in the 11th round. So, yeah, that, uh, the Ruiz-Joshua one fight, Ruiz's shocking knockout of Anthony Joshua is on the level of those other upsets because it came out of nowhere. Our comeback fighter of the year was Anthony Joshua. Perfect segue. And very similar. I've always compared Anthony Joshua since he won the Olympic gold medal uh, eight years ago, as being a poor man's Lennox Lewis. He reminded me so much of Lennox Lewis, where everything was based off the jab with a powerful right cross. Well, just like Lennox Lewis did, and in the same calendar year, Lennox Lewis was knocked out in the summer of 2001 by Hasim Rahman in South Africa in a shocking upset. Shocking upset. Then, in November... He came back, and he knocked out Rockman in what was the knockout of the year for 2001 in a sensational knockout. And Joshua, while he didn't knock out Ruiz, did gain revenge and avenged his shocking loss by regaining the title, and that's why he is our comeback fighter of the year. Now, Ring Magazine picked Jamal Herring. And uh, I can't argue with this pick. Herring was thought to be dead, left in the water, and he came back last year to win a alphabet title at 130 pounds, the super featherweight division. So uh, I can't argue with that pick. It's a solid pick. 
and Joshua was a runner-up. So right. once again, even though we 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 didn't agree on the same award, we were still in the same area as Joshua was their runner-up. Right, and you can see how somebody would say, "Okay, well, everybody expected Joshua to beat Ruiz, you know, in the second fight." So was no, it not really. There was a lot of guys. You you a lot of guys. It was like fifty-fifty. A lot was of it? guys. Oh, yeah, okay. it, he, I mean, while Joshua was the favorite. A lot of so-called experts and a lot of fight fans, including yourself, thought that uh, Joshua was done, that Joshua's career was all but over. Right, right. Yeah, I wrote him off, I have to admit. Yeah, you wrote him off. A lot of people, but you're not the only one. A lot of people, and you made sense. You made sense, Logan, because as a student of the game, you have seen and we have gone over tens of fighters who were never the same after suffering a similar beating. You can make a point that Mike Tyson was never the same after Buster Douglas beat him because that invincibility was gone, and he seemed sluggish after that. Well, that that could have been the possibility with Joshua. We had to – and remember, Logan, a lot of times fighters that get knocked out right away come back too soon and get knocked out again, and then that's it. Perfect example was Roy Jones Jr. after he got knocked out by Antonio Tarver, came back just three, four months later and got knocked out by Glenn Johnson, even more violently than, 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 than Antonio Tarver did. So I saw where you were coming from, and a lot yeah. of and a lot of a lot of uh, boxing experts thought that. So no, I would I wouldn't say it was a sure thing that he was going to win the rematch. I thought it was a sure thing that Lennox Lewis was going to blow away Hasee Rockman because Hasee Rockman got lucky. That Lennox Lewis didn't train and stuck his chin out there playing around, and they got caught with that right cross. Uh, well, a, a that's kind of what happened to Joshua, right? It's a perfect segue. We're going to go to the round of the year. I mean, this is a sec- perfect segue. The round of the year is our round of the year is Ring Magazine's round of the year, which is round three of the first Joshua Ruiz fight. In the third round, Joshua drops. Ruiz with a beautiful left hook, and it looks like it's all but over for Andy Ruiz. And Joshua goes for the kill. Now, the first two and a half rounds, Logan, he was fighting at range, using his jab, and dominating. In the third round, because he hurts Ruiz and drops him, he goes in for the kill, and he gets caught by a spectacular combination, right cross that bounces off his temple, temple that we later find out that concussed him for the rest of the fight. And he gets dropped two more times, twice in that round. That time, and then towards the end, where the referee could have stopped the fight, but gave him an opportunity late in the round to continue. It didn't matter. He would suffer a severe beating to being stopped in the seventh round. Round three was one of the greatest rounds in heavyweight history. It was. It was great. And uh, the comeback, too, though, was, I thought, a good fight, although not as uh, competitive. Yeah, because he, he didn't take chances like he did in the first fight. In the second fight, he stood outside, and he won a comfortable decision. Allah, and I predicted this, I had predicted that he was going to beat Ruiz the same way Lennox Lewis beat David Tua. And if you look at both fights, very similar. Ruiz, who doesn't have the power David Tua had, had a better jab than David Tua. He fought like David Tua, looking for one shot like Tua did against Lennox Lewis. That's not never happened. Because he was too short to try and beat this guy one punch, you got to go to the body. He never went to the body like David Tua. David Tua stood out there, looked for one shot, and Lex Lewis 
kept him at range with that great jab, just like Joshua did to Ruiz, and with an easy 12-round decision, I gave Ruiz one round out of 12. Um, I think I gave two of one round also in a fight with um, Hasee Rockin. And it's, it's, it, I'm always going to compare Hass, uh, Lennox Lewis to Anthony Joshua and vice versa because that's – I can tell by the way Joshua fights that Lennox Lewis was his idol because he's got an eerily similar style. Do you think he would have had an answer had Ruiz gone to the body? No, he would have tied him up. I think he knew what he had to do. He was going to tie him up at all costs. He was not going to let uh, Ruiz bang that body at will. He was going to tie him up, and he probably would have taken a point or two away. It would have allowed that the referee to, to subtract points because he knew there was no way in the world Ruiz could beat him from the outside. Yeah, but you say he's a poor man, Lennox Lewis. Do so you think Lennox Lewis in his prime would have killed Joshua? Yeah, Lennox Lewis is a better fighter than Anthony Joshua. Until Joshua proves me differently, Lennox Lewis is a step above um, Anthony Joshua. Right on. But he's getting there. Yeah, but they, they both level. have similar traits, and their weaknesses are the same. They both have shaky chins. Yeah, they both. And, and um, at one point, his, now late in Lennox Lewis' career, he was better at distancing himself and not being fatigued. Early in his career, he would be fatigued later on in, in the fight like Joshua has been. But Joshua in his fight with Ruiz, and I think because he shed that, that muscle, that bulky muscle was gone. He, he he got rid of all that. I mean, he looked like a bodybuilder. In, in the fight with Ruiz, he shed that, looked like he did more cardio and was as fresh in the 12th round as he was in the first round. So we'll see. Joshua is still unproven as far as his greatness goes, but it's the step in the right direction with his win over Andy Ruiz in the rematch. Yeah, like Deontay Wilder. Did, did uh, Lennox Lewis ever face anybody like Deontay Wilder? As far as punching power goes, the closest was a, a shot Mike Tyson. Yeah, like I think if he fought Riddick Bowe, maybe he would have got something like that, that would have been that would uh, that's one of the great heavyweight fights that ever happened. Both men were both men are at fault because both men, at one point, they were supposed to fight three different times, and all three different times something got in the way. The first time, Riddick Bowe wanted more money, and didn't happen through through the WBC belt in the garbage can. Gave it up. They gave the belt to Lennox Lewis. Second time they had signed the fight, Lennox Lewis got knocked out shockingly by Oliver McCall. And the third time they were supposed to fight, he got hit by a million low blows by Andrew Galata in two fights, and that was the end of Ring of the career. And Lennox. Knocked out Galata in the first round. That was a, a a brutal beating. Oh, my God. He beat the hell out. I remember my father put money on Galata. I think he put, like, $200 on Galata. So we sit there. Back then I had the illegal black box. So I got to see the fight for free. We sit there. This white boy going to do it. I said, come on, Pop. You saw what he did against Riddick Bowe. I said, yeah, but Lennox Lewis is not going to let allow himself to get inside like that. He's going to stay outside. But Lennox Lewis went after Galata, which we learned was, a, right. was Emmanuel Stewart telling him that Galata can't fight backing up. Go after him. Right. And he went right after Galata and knocked him out in the first round. <laughs> Brilliant strategy there. Emmanuel Stewart was, was great at that. He knew that Mike Tyson couldn't fight back it up. And he screamed at Lennox, stop being so passive. Go after this motherfucker. And when he did, he knocked him out. Yeah, he was respecting him too much. Well, um, yeah, so well, Emmanuel was great. He told the same thing to Tommy Hearns in his welterweight title, Destruction of Pepito Cuevas. That this guy cannot fight back it up. You go at him. And Tommy almost killed him in the second round with two behemoth right crosses. 
So Emmanuel Stewart, one of the greatest trainers of all time, may he rest in peace. You went to fire up his fighter. You were his fighter had the advantage. You even said about Anthony Joshua that it looked like he was trained by Manny Stewart in this last fight. So. The way he, the way he, in his last fight, it looked like the ghost of Manny Stewart was his trainer. Yeah. If Emmanuel Stewart was alive today, he could have his pick. He'd either trade Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. He'd have his pick, and he'd make both those guys better fighters. I think so, yeah. So let's talk about the next category. All right, let me go on to the next award. Let's see. So we did, so far, Event of the year for Ring Magazine was the Joshua Ruiz Madison Square Garden June first fight. Ours was the Donaire Inoue WBSS Bantamweight Tournament Championship. Upset of the year, we're both in agreement. Ruiz over Joshua in the first fight. Comeback fight of the year, our pick was Anthony Joshua. Ring Magazine's pick was Jerron Ennis. Can't argue with Ring. They did a great job there. Knockout of the year. Now, our knockout of the year, we had the top two knockouts of the year. We picked Deontay Wilder's right cross that picked Brazil up off his feet and landed him onto the canvas like he was shot out of a cannon. Unbelievable. It, it barely beat our second pick, which was his one-punch knockout of Luis Ortiz that almost put the man into a coma. <laughs> that was Ring Magazine's pick. And Ring okay. Magazine, in their awards show, said the same thing we said. That those were the top two knockouts of last year. The only reason they picked Ortiz over Brazil was because Ortiz is a much better fighter. That is a much better fighter than Dominic Brazil. So I can't argue. I can't argue that. Was, was this not a year made... of spectacular knockouts? Yeah, but no, none came close to those two. Those were the two defining knockouts of 2019 by the same man. I mean, you haven't seen a knockout artist like Deontay Wilder in the heavyweight division since mid to late 1980s Mike Tyson. I mean, every fight that, even when he almost knocked out Tyson Fury in that first fight where Fury rose to the grave, his knockdowns and his knockouts, a la Tyson, are a highlight reel. And the thing, but at least Tyson in the late 80s was going to the body using a jab. Why was I doing all that? He pawed with his left and just waits for that right hand to land. And when it does, it's over. Oh my it's God, totally, that was a yeah. that was a both right hands were sensational and uh, put both their opponents to sleep. So a kudos to Ring Magazine for picking Ortiz. We split the vote on that, and I cannot argue with that. Uh, Ring Magazine. There have been years where I highly disagree with their picks. Not this year. They, they all their picks made sense, and that was their knockout of the year. So now we. Uh, Oh, and their round of the year, of course, was round three, Ruiz Joshua, the same as ours. We went over that. So now we have two awards left that we do that they do. Our fight of the year was their fight of the year. Shout out to ring editor Thomas Gray, who in the award show talked about this fight. And I, I swear to God, him and I were thinking the same thing. He was like the level of skill in this great fight. And we talked about this, Logan on both the award show and when we did the fight recap, this level of skill was unmatched by any other fight in 2019. You had two of the greatest fighters ever to come out of Asia. Probably two of the top five fighters in the history of the continent of Asia. 
two highly skilled fighters. Donito Donaire in his prime was the closest thing I ever saw to Roy Jones Jr. The speed, the accuracy, and the power. Even though the speed had left and the accuracy was not the same, he still had the power and he still had a jab that he utilized in this fight several times. And I didn't know, shout out to Mr. Gray, that Inouye fought nine or ten rounds with a broken orbital bone from Donaire. Yeah, so, but you're saying essentially that if Nonito Donaire were in his prime, he would have beat him. Yes, he, I agree. If Donito, if Donito Donaire in his prime was probably unbeatable at, 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 at Bantamweight and Superflyweight. He was unbeatable, without a doubt. Yeah, that was, I mean, and also, where would you rank this fight among, you know, all-time great fights of skill level? Well, in the history of the Bantamweight division, it is the greatest fight in the history of the Bantamweight division. Well, in the history of Ring Magazine, fight of the years, it's only the second time that a Bantamweight fight was the fight of the year. The first was a fight that we covered in the, in the Greatest Fight Series, the first Paulie Ayala-Johnny Tapia fight back in 1999, where for 12 rounds they stood in the phone booth and just landed one shot after another in a great, great fight. What makes this fight better is the level of skill. skill that both these guys, these guys weren't trying to hammer each other. These guys were trying to outthink each other while trying to knock each other out at the same time. Right, and, and they both could forget at the top of the game. Hellacious, yeah, oh, they, uh, uh, no, he had to. It was the toughest fight of his career. And in the 11th round, pulled it out with that spectacular left hook to the rib cage. Oh, my God. Oh, huh. and the, the referee gave Donaire more time than he deserved. That should have been a knockout. Donaire got up at 10 and a half, but the referee let it continue. Yeah, I, I can't argue. He know he was going to win regardless. After that knockdown clinched the fight, even though Donaire came back and landed a hellacious shot before the end of the round, but that was his last grasp. As the 12th round, he was a shot fighter. So our fight of the year was their fight of the year, November 7, 2019. Niola Inouye's definitive victory of his career over Nonito Donaire to become the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight Champion and retaining his Ring Magazine Bantamweight Champion. They had a potential round of the year as well. The ninth round and the 11th round could have easily been round of the year in any other year. Let me see what the runner-ups were for the round of the year. One of those rounds has to be in that conversation. This fight was such a great fight. Fight of the year? Yeah. Let's go to round of the year. Round of the year. Okay. Round 11 and we versus up there. <laughs> What's that runner-up? We called it. We called it. Yes, indeed. That was the runner-up. Unreal. Un-effing real. Oh, and Errol Spence, Sean Porter, round 11, was also a, a runner-up, which that was a great round because that's the round Spence knocked down. Porter with a spectacular left hook, and Porter was able to survive and even came back strong in that round before almost getting knocked out by that spectacular left hand by Errol Spence. See, Ring Magazine and us, even though we didn't agree on every award, we were in the same vicinity, the same ballpark. All right, now yeah, the fight fighter of the year, the biggest prize. Everybody knows that in boxing, the equivalent to the MVP award in baseball, football, basketball, is the Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year. And even though I disagree with this award, we gave it to Nayola Inouye. They gave it to Saul Canelo Alvarez. And while right. I don't, I disagree with this award. 
I understand why they gave it to Canelo. There have been many years where Canelo should have won and didn't win. We picked Canelo a few years ago as the winner, and they picked somebody else, and I was real upset with, with that choice. So I can't argue. They finally gave it to Canelo Alvarez, and I think a reason, Logan, and they, they won't admit this, but the reason why I think they haven't given Canelo the award in, in the past years when he deserved it, more so than this year, was because the, the magazine is owned by Oscar, and Oscar's Canelo's promoter. I don't think they want to show any type of uh, right, bias, bias towards yeah. their, the the owner of the company's promotion to one of their fighters. But Canelo had a great year. He beat Danny Jacobs, one of the top middleweights in the world. And he sadly defeated him over 12 rounds in a fight where Danny Jacobs, who's much taller, much bigger than Canelo, faster than Canelo, stayed outside, tried to outbox Canelo, and Canelo outboxed Jacobs in a truly brilliant performance by Canelo Alvarez. And then his knockout went over Sergey Kovalev, where he made one of the biggest punches in the history of the lightweight division not try and throw his big punch. This guy tried to win. Now, Sergey Kovalev is got nothing left in his tank. It was already proven by Andre Ward that he has no stamina. I thought his best bet was trying to get Canelo out of there. He tried to box, and he did a good job. But you could count on on uh, one hand the number of right hands he tried to throw in this fight, and then he gets knocked out violently <laughs> by a right hand by Canelo in the eleventh round. So uh, kudos to Canelo who finally, after all these years, gets a much well deserved, long overdue Ring Fighter of the Year. That could have been knockout of the year. Yeah, that that definitely could have been knockout of the year. And Canelo's had a bunch of great knockouts. I mean, I can't wait to do our greatest performances in Canelo's career, which we might do after his next fight. Right now, it's down to three guys he might fight on May 2nd. None of those guys are going to beat Canelo, even though they're all good fighters. Calla Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, and Oriota Murata are three guys in line to fight Canelo. Um, Canelo is either going to go to England or Japan to fight May 2nd. After he knocks out one of those three guys, because he's going to knock out any of those three guys in will probably the next day do his greatest performances. That's been long overdue. Uh, Canelo well, Alvarez having a great, great career. Well on his way to probably being, once he's all said and done for him, the third greatest Mexican fighter in the history of Mexico. Did you see what Daniel Jacobs said about him? What did he say? Uh, he said, my eyes don't lie, man. He lost both fights to Triple G. Sounds like Saul Riggs to me. <laughs> and, and Triple G wants that third fight. His handlers need to tell him to shut the fuck up because – Triple G's got no defense left. If they fight a third time, he will be hospitalized. Well, let's see that, man. I want to see that. I want to see him get definitively beat. That fight's not going to happen. Really? Because yeah, Canelo's moved up. Triple G's not moving up. Well, maybe he should. And Triple G's fighting some stiff necks. So Triple G's on the stiff circuit. Yeah, yeah. he's fighting. Well, Derevichenko's not as stiff. Almost knocked him out. So I think he's going to go back to fighting stiff. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Derek right, Vincenco was a tough now, fight. Now, real quick, that's that, that's a wrap-up on the awards. I want to go over, and I said this on Twitter several months ago, and um, I'm reiterating that right now, that the only belts, the only world championships I recognize are the ring champions. And I want to quickly go over each division and who the champions are in the ring magazine ratings. Now, 
There is no heavyweight champion. That's been vacant since Tyson Fury retired a few years ago. Well, there will be a champion on the night of February 22nd because the number one contender is Tyson Fury. The number two contender is Deontay Wilder. The winner of that fight will be the ring heavyweight champion of the world. Same thing with the cruiserweights. Morris Bredis and Yunir Dortikos will be fighting in a few months. They're the number one, number two contender in the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Championship. The winner becomes the Cruiserweight Ring World Champion. The light heavyweight division is vacant. It's been vacant since Andre Ward retired three years ago. Right now, the top two contenders are Arthur Betebiev and Canelo Alvarez. That fight might happen after Canelo beats uh, whoever he fights on May 2nd. So that's a possibility. Now, Canelo might be fighting the super middleweight ring world champion, which is Callum Smith. And Canelo is the ring middleweight champion. And so there's a possibility that Canelo could, could win all three rings world titles in the same year. He's the middleweight champion. There's a strong chance he's fighting the super middleweight champion. And he might fight the light heavyweight champion at the end of the year. And if he does that, then there's nobody else that's going to be the fighter of the year unless Wilder beats Fury and Joshua in the same year or, vice, or Fury does the same thing. All right. Junior middleweights, vacant. Vacant. And right now, the top two contenders will probably be Jared Hurd and Jason Rosario or Erislandi Lara because Julian Williams last, last week got knocked out in the fifth round by Jason Rosario in an early upset of the year favorite. The welterweight division been vacant since Floyd Mayweather Jr. retired four years ago. In, in this division, the top two contenders are Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. We still got to see what Spence looks like in his comeback fight. And uh, Terrence Crawford has fought nobody at welterweight yet. Junior welterweight division, the world champion is Josh Taylor, who beat Regis Progress to win the ring junior welterweight championship. Well-deserved. The ring lightweight champion, Vasily Lomachenko. See what I'm saying, Logan? All these champions are good to great fighters. You got all these motherfuckers with all these, the WBA, Interim, Diamond, uh, 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 Active, Super, fuck you. Every one of these (laughs) title holders for the ring champions are the best in their division who beat the man that beat the man that beat the man. Well, the lightweight champion is Vasily Lomachenko. His number one contender is Kiyofimo Lopez. And they're scheduled to fight this spring in Madison Square Garden. The junior lightweight division is vacant. And the top three fighters are very good fighters. Miguel Burchelt, uh, Javante Davis. And, oh, you could take Javante Davis out of the mix. He moved up to lightweight. So the top two fighters in junior lightweight are Miguel Burchett, Kevin Farmer. And number three is Jamel Herring, the ring comeback fighter of the year. Featherweight division. Uh, you have some tremendous fighters in this division. Um, Josh Warrington is number one. Gary Russell, number two. The title's vacant. Carl Frampton, number three. And Shakur Stevenson, who is the best young fighter in America right now, is negotiating the fight Josh Warrington. So that would be a great fight. Junior featherweight division, vacant, but you've got a lot of good fighters in the, in the division. Number one, Daniel Roman. Number two, Ray Vargas. Number three, Emmanuel Navarrete. And number four, the 70-year-old Guillermo Rigadal. <laughs> Still fighting. <laughs> uh-huh. the, 
The Bantamweight <laughs> world champion is Naomi Inoue, and he looks to be fighting John Real Casimero from the Philippines. They're close to signing a deal to fight each other, and um, Casimero is a good fighter. He knocked out Zolani Teteo, a tremendous fighter from South Africa. Um, but while he's a skillful fighter with some power, he's no Inoue. Then we go to the junior bantamweight division, where the great one, Francisco Estrada, is the champion, and negotiating the fight to Rungside, who he beat last year, to fight for a third time. Flyweight division, the title is vacant. You have two very good fighters at the top, at number one and number two. Another very good Japanese fighter, Kose Tanaka. And number two, another good South African fighter in Morati Salani. In junior flyweight division, there is a world champion, and he's a tremendous fighter for the ring, Hiroto Kayaguchi. Right now, another Japanese fighter. Right now, it's a golden age in Japanese boxing, as they have in the lighter weights a lot of very young, great fighters. Um, his number one contender is another fighter from Japan who is a killer in Kenshiro. And I would love to see Kayaguchi fight Kenshiro, and that would be a huge draw in Japan. And the strawweights, and we did one of the greatest strawweights of all time last week in Ivan Calderon. Uh, the strawweights have two undefeated fighters from Thailand at one and two. One hangs Manayutin and knockout CP Freshmart, one and two. This fight should be made, Logan. They both from Thailand. Make the fight. You could put it in a soccer stadium in Thailand. It'll probably go over 50,000. So those are it, your man. ring ratings. Shout out to Dougie Fisher, the editor in chief of Ring Magazine. Shout out to Tom Gray, great writer, editor for Ring Magazine, as they continue the tradition of great journalism in Ring Magazine. And they did a hell of a job this year with the awards. And the two fights that dominated that dominated the boxing scene in 2019 was the first Andy Ruiz Anthony Joshua fight and the Donita Donaire Naomi Noe. Bantamweight World Championship fight So I mean And that's saying a lot because 2019 Was a banner year for boxing Yeah So where do you think Kovalev is going to do You think he's going to retire Nah he, he's, he's going to fight again if he doesn't go to jail Okay So he's in trouble yeah, he, there's, a re, there's been reports of Three to maybe five women over the last few years That he's physically abused Oh no Mm-hmm. Shit, man. Seems like such a nice guy. I guess not with he, the women. You would think, right? Nah, he, he's a bad guy. He's smiling. Yeah. He's Russian. Yeah, hey, uh, he's smiling because he's getting away with murder. What's the big money fight for him? If he Probably better be as in Russia. Two Russian fighters fighting in Moscow. Oh, that'd be a huge fight. He'd get destroyed. Oh, he, he would be put in the hospital, and that'd be the end of his career, though, without a doubt. <laughs> I wouldn't do that if I was him, man. Uh, but you know what? He wants to. That would be a big. But I don't think Triple G wants to fight anybody that big. Triple G will stay middleweight. I have never heard Triple G ever wanting, ever expressing a desire to move up. Uh, he's big though. He's not taller than Canelo. Let me see how tall he is. Let me let's look at Triple G. I'm I'm going to guess that he's five foot eight, five foot nine tops. Let me see. Oh shit, he's five foot ten. Oh, I. I so he is talking. That was five nine. Uh, five ten is even borderline for middleweight and light heavyweight. 
anything under six feet tall is seen as a huge disadvantage. Kovalev is six feet two tall, but he still got knocked out by, by Canelo. So uh, anything's possible. But I've never heard Triple G talk about moving up. Never, never. He's always talked about the middleweight division and and fighting somebody in the middleweight division, preferably Canelo. That's the only guy he wants to fight, to be honest with you, because he right. refuses and to who, fight Demetrius Andrade. Who's Usyk fighting? Usyk. They were trying to get a fight with him and Joseph Parker. They were talking about stripping Anthony Joshua the WBO title and them two fighting, but that fight's been tabled. So I think uh, Usyk is going to fight somebody, a, a lesser heavyweight than Joseph Parker. I want to see Usyk in with a Joseph Parker. I'm, I don't want to see him in a, with another tomato can. Let's see if you for real. And I think, and I've made this prediction, that Usyk has the ability and the potential to be the next great heavyweight. Yeah, I know. You've been touting him for a long time. He was fighter of the year last yeah. last year for you. Yes, he was our he was our fighter of the year and he was Ring Magazine's fighter of the year for 2018. Yeah, so we you know, like he kind of did nothing this past year, right? Did he, he fight? He fought one time. He fought one fight against Chaz. I'm not uh, I I I would still lose to my 60-year-old uncle Tim Witherspoon. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That fucking fight. Come on, man. He fucking can't. Bump. That was Yeah. That, that was terrible. Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah. Next week we'll be talking about a man who died way too young and we'll talk about his death. But he was a tremendous fighter. Two time world champ Vernon Forrest will be our next greatest performances in boxing history. Sad story about how his life ended. He died trying to save his, his nephew. So we'll be talking about Vernon Forrest, uh, who died eleven years ago, July of two thousand and nine. Uh, and we have to say Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. And rest in peace to his 13-year-old daughter who died in the helicopter with him today. The only news media outlet that got it right, and they're not even a news media outlet, they're an entertainment source, was TMZ. Everybody else, Fox, ABC, got it wrong, talking about all, all four of his daughters were in, in, in a – no, only his daughter. He was taking a helicopter to take his daughter to a game. His daughter a, a, plays on a basketball team that Kobe's the coach of. And they were going to the game when the helicopter crashed. Oh man, what a tragedy, dude! He was he was coaching uh, girls in basketball, keeping in tune with the game, but not having to play. I mean, has one of the most beautiful wives in the history of the NBA. His wife Vanessa, beautiful woman, uh, yeah. beautiful daughters. His thirteen-year-old girl, she was adorable as hell. You could tell that when she grew up, she was going to be a looker. Um, Sad, sad, just sad. And um, rest in peace to Vanessa Bryant. Was a, he was, if I had to say, definitely one of the top ten greatest players in the history of the NBA. You could make an argument for top five, but there have been so many great players. It's hard, it's hard to do that, but he's definitely top ten. It's a terrible tragedy, so rest in peace, and we will always remember you. One Silver Man, thanks again, dude. We'll talk next week. Talk to you next week, big man, later. Peace.